Welcome to the SSI Orbit Podcast, a forum where we explore the ever-growing ecosystems of self-sovereign identity. And I'm your host, Matsur Glode. In this episode of SSI Orbit, I talk with Stepan Gershuni, lead product manager at Affinity, founder of Credentia, and also as a hobby, runs the Crypto Economics Research Group. Now, during this conversation, we discuss the history and the business models of each evolution of the internet, from Web 1 to Web 2 to Web 3.0. We discuss the different ways for SSI to gain adoption. We talk about how economic inefficiencies could be used to create business use cases and propel the adoption of SSI as a better way of doing things. We talk about how we could use SSI to create completely new paradigms that are unimaginable today. We also discuss how crypto economics could be used to increase the value of a verifiable credential within a decentralized ecosystem. We talk about much more as well, but without further ado, here's my conversation with Stefan, which I enjoyed very much. And we're on. Stefan, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I want to, I've been very much looking forward to this conversation. I, I think, um, um, the times we've spoken before have been quite interesting. We, we come both from, from the crypto space, we've moved to the SSI space, we share similar visions for the decentralized future and the decentralized tech stack. Um, so I was very much looking forward to this uh, conversation on the podcast today that we could kind of maybe geek out a little bit or push, push ourselves more into the future. I think these are fun conversations uh, to have. And then at the same time, I'm hoping we, we could also just focus on um, stuff around just go to market and just near term things that, that we think are uh, are interesting with SSI just to keep pushing the adoption forward. Um, so I guess where, where I wanted to start here is um, we hear a lot about Web 3.0 and it's kind of the, this space or the umbrella that we, we fall into. Um, uh, how do you look at the evolution of web 1.0 through 2.0 to 3.0? And the minder, well, my thinking is we're, we are still in web two. Web two, we've come to realize <laughs> has resulted in a lot of centralization and censorship and stuff like that. Is web three kind of taking back the ethos of web one? How do, how do you look at that? Um, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, so first of all, thanks thanks a lot for for inviting me. Actually, I did uh, listen to some of the previous episodes, and um, I really enjoy the uh, the podcast. And uh, some of the guests uh, are just 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 great. Um, I think uh, my opinion. So Web three is just one of the terms, and it might not be the one that we eventually settle with because. Uh, well, previously there were a few things that were called Web3 and none of them actually became Web3. Uh, I think Ethereum uh, library, uh, like JavaScript library that is called Web3 is, 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 is what is uh, giving this name today. So some people call this, um, I, I, I've heard about this metaverse thesis, there's decentralized web, um, different, different names, but uh, the same thing. I think I think it's not it's not replacement. I think it's all evolution. So uh, uh, Web 1.1 was just amazing invention, which took um, if if you start from the um, if if you look at the uh, initial uh, ARPANET to what then became World Wide Web, uh, it took a lot of uh, great minds and a lot of time to to develop. Then Web 2 was the best. Uh, way to scale it because you cannot go from 
a few thousand people online to uh, 3.5 billion. Um, and um, uh, in the same time, make sure that it's all privacy preserving and decentralized and uh, fully, fully compliant with all the ethical and technical um, uh, requirements. Uh, and uh, I think uh, Web3 is just um, a next uh, next layer up the spiral. Um, for me, it's 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 more about fixing. It's it's more about it's all about taking what worked well, uh, and then fixing the things that uh, were created through this um, natural evolution. I think I think I think the reason Web2 uh, exists as it is today. It's not um, some deliberate decision. It's more about um, um, economic trends. So companies who were created in the 90s or um, later Facebook, Twitter, Google, uh, they, uh, they had to find out, find some business model. And because, uh, especially in early 90s, there was no way to do payments online, uh, that naturally led to advertisement based uh, business model, and uh, therefore, if, if, if you're doing advertisement, uh, it's all about collecting data and make uh, just basically companies compete in terms of who has better targeting and more audience. So they need to lock people in and they need to collect as much data to provide better service to their uh, advertisers. And uh, generally, I think most of the users are fine with this. Um, so it's not like Google is forcing anyone to use their service or it's not like Facebook not letting you to not use it if you don't want to share any data or if you don't want to that the data to be collected. Uh, but um, the same kind of service. So the good thing about Facebook, it provides uh, ability to communicate with your friends and the whole world. Uh, that is the positive thing and this should, should, should be definitely should, should exist in Web3 and um in different services uh but then you can do the same and actually provide the companies who build this ability to make money ability to have a business model uh but uh with the new technology it can be done um i guess more more correctly more um uh, uh, taking into account user preferences and uh different risks that there exist so uh, when we're speaking just a few days ago, Facebook was hacked or I, I don't actually know what happened, but somehow they lost 500 million uh, uh, personal data on 500 million users, which is definitely not a good sign. And well, uh, SSI, in SSI world, this wouldn't happen. Um, so, so there's a lot of economical and ethical and regulatory trends that uh, force internet companies to start thinking about decentralization to provide the same or better level of uh, customer experience while uh, giving users more autonomy or sovereignty. Yeah, I think obviously a lot of the companies that, that spun up and built business models on top of, let's just call it what web 2.0 like are are amazing, right? And you alluded to that, like that with Facebook, you could connect to literally anyone in the world. That's phenomenal. Amazon services, it's just like, it's it's ridiculous to think that you could order anything you want for so cheap and the next day it's on your doorsteps. Like it's it's magic, right? Um, 
And so for, for these companies that are kind of some, a lot of them are built on just advertising models, like you, you had explained, and there, were, there were no payments and stuff that just became kind of the, the model, it became a data mining model and selling that for, for, for advertisements. For, for these companies that today have business models built on top of all these web 2.0 um, methods, um, what's the transition for them to to, to web 3.0 and I, we, we could talk a bit more about the business models of, of web 3.0 i think um we're definitely seeing like that twitter is a good example of this like i think that twitter realizes where where the world is going i, I think it's it's quite uh, clear that their their ceo is is a big advocate of decentralization um is it just replacing the plumbing, building new protocols under? Like, how does a company think about transitioning in, in your point of view from Web 2 to Web 3? Yeah, I think, I, th I think the common trend is that great companies like Amazon or Twitter or Apple or Google, uh, they do think about their customers first. Um, so, uh, for example, if, if we uh, think about who can be one of the largest competitors for some of the SSI products. I think I think I think Apple comes to mind. Uh, it is because it, not not because it's decentralized. Apple has no uh, did not release any blockchain based product or any decentralized product. But at some point a few years ago, they realized that uh, being privacy conscious and advertising advertising that is 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 just important for their users. And they now they mention it at any convenient uh, way. So uh, most of Apple products, you always have these privacy settings. They always highlight it. They always show that how, 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 how they care. And they, and, they're, and, and they can do it because their business model does not depend on advertisement at all. So they, they have App Store, they have hardware, and um, you actually, uh, I mean, uh, there's probably some value for, for Apple to, 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 to get more insights about their customer behavior but uh, it's not uh, their uh, core 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 business model in terms of transitioning I think um, I, I, I think there's maybe two different school of school of thoughts so one of one is that there will be new decentralized Facebook decentralized YouTube decentralized Twitter and they will just replace existing companies and in some uh, verticals that is definitely the case uh, uh, however, um, still most IT companies are not, um, they are not like blockbuster uh, when faced with Netflix. They're not discarding this technology. And they actually, I think some people at Google, at Twitter, uh, well, especially at Twitter and um, uh, at all those uh, large corporations, they do understand the centralized technology quite well. They understand blockchain. They just maybe not, I, I, I don't know what they're thinking, but maybe they feel like it's too early. And also uh, Facebook tried to launch Libra. And uh, if you're large, you are faced with this regulatory uh, pushback. So it's not it's not as easy to launch decentralized product. Um, um, but um, but still it is, uh, it is important from product standpoint. So for example, what um, Jack Dorsey mentioned uh, is that the um, so so there's a lot of uh, scandals and um, uh, discussion around should social media be blocking or banning some of their users? Is it ethical? Um, should they comply with government regulation? In some countries, uh, governments are actually forcing social media to ban people who 
just don't like the political situation. Uh, in, 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 in other situations, it's, it's companies themselves deciding that something is inappropriate, even if it's not uh, purely illegal. So, uh, and, and the reason for that is, I, I think, is not um, that companies are taking too much, uh, that those companies taking too much initiative, is because there's no good framework. Because government, or most of the governments, cannot provide feedback because governments don't understand uh, internet as good as those companies. And decentralized um, technology can be a solution uh, because it kind of it creates a flexible. Uh, flexible system where all opinions can be present. And then, um, so, so for example, for social media, you can have a layer with decentralized identifiers and people just posting their tweets as verifiable credentials. And uh, then you can have multiple UIs that are connected to the same underlying protocol. So the protocol with the data is decentralized and it's completely per, uh, permissionless, but then you can build a uh, kids-friendly Twitter on top of that, that filters out any content that is not good for kids. Um, so uh, that is kind of self, um, and, and this, I think, I think um, very similar to, to, to how internet looked um, in the beginning, looked like in the beginning. Um, so uh, so the, I, I, th I think it, initially the transition would happen in those areas where this is a real problem for uh, for the customers uh, because um, um, it's um, yeah you don't want to risk uh, to risk to risk a business just to try something uh, on the other hand there's a lot of experiments and uh, the whole crypto space which is um, just uh, one one big experiment uh, I think for me it's still like uh, the fact that Bitcoin works and like every 10 minutes you get a new block it's still like a, like a miracle. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, yeah, I, I think the the there's a lot to unpack in what you said there. Uh, the Apple privacy positioning is is quite evident and is is a very good indicator that um, I, I I've I've always thought that kind of the the biggest feature of the 2020s is going to be privacy, and I, I think Apple is really kind of dri driving that forward. In their marketing, but they're also um, um, making things happen in the product where where they're they're trying to be transparent. They're trying to give control to um, people that are using their products, um, and <laughs> they they posted billboards across big cities about it. I remember a massive one in Toronto, where where we are. So, um, um, and I do I do find it interesting the kind of the it's either you just replace, and I think in in the crypto space, there's a lot of projects that. They're, they're kind of just, they're like, yeah, the, the, the existing world is wrong. We're just going to rebuild. But then on the other side, it's kind of like, that's maybe not the, the best way to, to adoption either when there's already network effects, there's already, and, and, and by the way, like there's so much, there's so much, so many benefits and so much value that these companies are providing today. They have the distribution, they have the scale, they have the client base. And so, um, if privacy is inherently important to them and kind of moving towards a more um, the centralized model is important, important to them. I think that there's steps that, that they could take. The Twitter one is interesting to me. Um, I think the, this whole, this whole cancel culture, I guess, as, as you described, it's, um, it's political at the end of the day, right? Um, 
like you you could think one thing or another thing about just the the president of the United States being removed from social media platforms. You could think one thing or another about an app like Parler just being removed or the server is not not running it anymore. Um, but it's it then comes down to if 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 you want to kind of move that forward and you really want to look into some of these. I call them issues like the, the cancel culture and all these things that are happening. Um, there's something interesting about uh, pseudonymous um, identities online, right? And um, I'm interested kind of what your thoughts are on pseudonymous. Like SSI enables that to some extent, right? Like uh, SSI or having trusted digital credentials enables you to conduct business transactions or to access products and services according to kind of their, um, their their rules or their terms and their conditions. So you could prove that, but your your identity as, uh, as Stefan or as Mathieu, we don't necessarily need to have that, that attributes that, that like, that seems like our, our names that, that we're given, like our legal names are attributes that potentially are outdated for the web 3.0 that, um, there's, there's a lot of risk associated with that, right? And the fact that we're, our online lives are attributed to our, 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 our names or these attributes, then when you see a hack like the Facebook hack happen, it's, it's not great, right? Or uh, when, when browsing or chat histories get put out, it's gonna cause a lot of issues for people. So is that something you think about of kind of being able to use credentials? You're still able to be compliant. You're still be, you're able to conduct business transactions and follow terms and conditions, but like you could be pseudonymous. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, actually, um, I, I want to unpack this a little bit. I think, um, so I do agree that decentralized uh, web is not happening just because it's decentralized. It has to solve some problem, it has to bring some value. And from, from like very, very high level, um, I think there's two, kind of clusters of uh, reasons why these technologies are getting traction. And first one, which is, um, we can call it like boring SSI, but actually it's not, it's not boring. It's, it's just uh, um, very clear economic benefit. So, so, so uh, the first part of um, uh, the first bucket of uh, why decentralized technologies are getting adoption is because they're really solving some uh, pricing problem today. So for example, you have a paper-based credentials or documents or attestations, and then you replace those with digital ones and they're also decentralized. They're also uh, can be exchanged in peer-to-peer -peer manner. So a lot of companies don't have to be integrated into a single database. So it's cheaper to maintain. Um, so those are purely economic benefits. Basically what happens is uh, uh, moving a trusted data exchange system on to verifiable credentials uh, or SSI rails reduces the transaction costs. And those transaction costs are present in any economic activities. So blockchain does the same uh, if you want to have a um, maybe uh, reduce costs, legal costs, uh, you can use smart contract because uh, it's uh, auto inf automatically enforced and um, well, if you imagine if it works and it's really uh, the, the, the product is out there uh, or you can use some kind of blockchain to um, uh, reduce um, 
maybe supply chain management costs or uh, in, in verifiable credentials, this is clear. So a lot of, actually most of the applications of verifiable credentials today, they are really uh, focused on this transaction cost reduction. And that can be huge. So that can be tens of times uh, reduction uh, because you'd not only make it cheaper, but you also make it more uh, uh, or less prone to fraud because uh, you can fake a paper certificates or paper document, it's much harder with digital signature. Uh, you reduce the single point of failure because there's no database, you increase privacy, you get automatical compliance. So if you build an SSI system, it's kind of uh, uh, GDPR or CCPA compliant from day one because there's no centralized company who's storing everything. It's just issuers and holders and they, well, they have right to do it. Um, and I think the same can be said about every layer of the decentralized stack. So. This works for decentralized storage, verifiable credentials, um, uh, blockchain, uh, cryptocurrencies, and so on. And then there's a second bucket, which is more future looking, but it's still um, uh, not about just the idea that we will have a new world, which is just better. Uh, it, 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 it has to be about um, uh, creating a new paradigm of trust or new paradigm of interaction. So before internet, it was not possible to have anonymous communication at all. With the internet, we 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 now have anonymous communication. We have all the problems associated with that because we have scam, we have fraud, we have uh, people pretending to be other people, we have people getting angry, or um, um, well, so all 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 these problems. And then we can apply decentralized technology to that, so we can have pseudonyms on the internet that are not revealing your real world identity, yet you can prove something about yourself. So for example, I was recently reading the um, Gitcoin grants um, um, blog, actually uh, it was Vitalik Buterin blog, and he wrote about the recent Gitcoin uh, program. And um, they have, um, so Gitcoin is a system that just uh, companies uh, come together, they have a, a fund that is uh, used to fund um, some public goods, how they call it. So those are some uh, educational programs or some open source development that is for, for bene uh, benefits the whole industry. And the problem that they now start having is that because everything is anonymized, uh, people just use their cryptocurrency wallets, basically the IDs uh, to, to identify themselves. Uh, they, they, they now start seeing civil attacks of one person pretending multiple users. And uh, SSI can solve this problem because you can have a completely anonymous DAD, but yet you can uh, uh, have a bunch of verifiable credentials attached to it that prove your personhood or prove that you have a, uh, I don't know, a social media account or you have a phone number or you have a, um, you met someone in person without revealing your name. Or um, uh, actually this can, can go even, even further. You can have the whole professional identity. So you can be like anonymous, anonymous developer, someone like Satoshi, and yet you can prove that here's your cryptocurrency wallet and you have money or you received money from someone. You can prove that you contributed to, to this code base. You can prove that you um, have this skill or competency or uh, you participated in some public uh, work. So uh, now you can be anonymous 
and uh, this system can be as efficient as um, as a not not anonymous one. So uh, this is um, to to sum it up. The first uh, bucket is it is about finding economic inefficiencies or customer problems in the world today, in government, in uh, public sector, in enterprises, in uh, um, different different economic interactions. For example, for a society usually establishing trust, how do I trust that this parking ticket is 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 valid or is issued by the right person? Or how do I know that this diploma? Uh, issued in another country is actually uh, can be accepted here in my country so we can use as a science all those problems because those things can be solved today it just takes time i need to call to the university i need to get up a steal i need to uh, spend a lot of money i actually went recently through this problem of notarizing my diploma uh, so i have diploma from united states uh, and uh, i had to present it to german authorities and it cost me like 500 euros in total uh, for shipment and authorization and all different costs. So with SSI, this, this can be done in maybe it should cost like $1. Uh, and then there's the second, uh, second part, which is just thinking about new paradigm of trust or new paradigm of social interaction that can be enabled through decentralized technologies. Now we can have decentralized money that is uncensorable. We can have decentralized storage, which is not at least controlled by Amazon. It can be uh, still based on some, some kind of Amazon infrastructure, but um, it's encrypted and uh, it's distributed. So I can have my data in a decentralized accessible way. I can have my personal identity, which is uh, anonymous. At least if, if I want, I can maybe generate a zero knowledge proof or just not disclose um, some, some of the parameters, uh, some of the attributes. And I can even have the programmatic governance through decentralized autonomous organizations. So I can have actually a business, complete business built in this new paradigm. But um, from, from go-to-market standpoint, realistically, uh, I think it's still mostly the first part, which is a real present market with real problems. And it is huge because if we take uh, just world GDP and we calculate how what percentage of it are transaction costs associated with establishing trust, that is, uh, in my opinion, trillions of dollars. So it's, it's there's, there's a lot of work to do there. And then we have this new market, which is completely blue ocean. And uh, it's, even, it's even hard to predict how big it can be. Yeah, it's um, the, the new paradigm stuff is super, super interesting. And it, it's just st stuff that I always felt like it, it's stuff that hasn't been figured figured out yet obviously it's stuff that until you build a new more experiments and stuff you start seeing what is newly possible and I, the, the nice comparison to that is just with um with the rise of the internet people trying to put faxes over the internet type of thing right it's just it's just you don't want to redo things the same way you could do something completely different so i i, I agree with that uh and just i guess step stepping back and just looking at kind of the first bucket you illustrated where you're able to solve problems today with economic inefficiencies. Um, I think that's when I got into the crypto blockchain, decentralized tech, call it what you want space. Um, a, a lot of the the projects or that, that we saw or we worked on or stuff like that was we, we were trying to use 
a blockchain or distributed ledger to to solve some of these economic inefficiencies. So, um, but a supply chain you've mentioned supply chains like yeah how how could you use a supply chain to lower the costs throughout the supply chain create more transparency or, or traceability in the supply chain as well. There were a bunch of benefits uh, to, to that that we were going after. I it was interesting because there was this whole and since the start of crypto, there's kind of been this on and off trend of, of people being excited about <laughs> about public uh, public blockchains, public crypto, and then every now and then there's all this excitement about these permissioned or uh, quote enterprise suited uh, systems, right? And a, a lot of these quote enterprise suited blockchain systems haven't really taken off as people w would have liked to see them take off and. We don't have to name any specific projects. We, we all we all kind of know them. Um, one one of the things, like being deep in, inside of that world, was always if you're trying to achieve some of the properties that that you get from decentralized technology, like verifiability or immutability or traceability. Um, there's different elements to the decentralized stack that that need to be deployed. It's not kind of one solution fits all and what we saw is people are just trying to throw everything on a blockchain just just because right then it's just like it kind of didn't really make sense um so we we always felt like there was a big missing piece which had to do with credentialing and identity right so it's like you're, you're building you want to build a system to achieve some benefits you're making a decision to use a, just call it a private blockchain or consortium in, environment because i don't know I, I need performance or I need privacy or wh whatever the reasons are for, for those, right? Um, I think that the big piece that we noticed that was missing was is this SSI piece, right? It's, it's the, the credentialing piece to it. And um, another piece that was missing, we felt from the enterprise blockchain space and is a space that you know quite well, and I, I know you spend a lot of time on this stuff is the crypto economics. Um, What's what's the point of creating a consortium when there's no incentive for for people to, to run these things and that, that's where you see a lot of projects just die. So uh, I, I think it's clear that the verifiable credentials and just the, the SSI stack let's call it fits in nicely to, to, to this this model with these these projects it fits nicely into public uh, blockchains as well if you're using it for specific purposes. Um, but how do you view crypto economics fit into to, to this whole thing? How does it play with SSI? Um, yeah, so so maybe let me let me let let me address the first part uh, um, first. Uh, I think, uh, in my personal opinion, I'm not a huge fan of permission blockchains. I uh, I think that idea was proven not uh, to not work uh, even economically. Um, quite fast, but the reason uh, there were still a lot of companies that kept trying was the ICO boom. So it kind of, I think, I think one overlapped because there was a lot of excitement about enterprise blockchain. Then people realized that if several companies, so first of all, they can have a database, a centralized database with signed, cryptographically signed data. Uh, they don't need blocks. They don't need uh, this uh, solution for double spend or Byzantine problem solution. They just need uh, a way to track authenticated data and you can do it in, in, in Postgres or, or MySQL. Um, 
but then uh, because uh, kind of blockchain was a new technology, not everybody quite understood what it is. And then there was uh, Bitcoin was growing and uh, a lot of ICOs popped, popped up. Uh, I, I think that kind of that was a positive feedback loop. So people were trying. I, I, I really um, uh, had a few projects that were trying to put a coal mines or gold mines or oil uh, drilling on the blockchain. Uh, and that was kind of permission blockchain, but they had tokens and uh, they were trying to sell those tokens. So I think it, it doesn't make sense. I think, I think the problem that enterprises are, are trying to solve uh, is, is really addressed best by SSI stack and actually might be, um, especially today, I don't think that uh, crypto economic incentives is, is necessary. I think, I think it's more of governance uh, system that is that is missing. So I, I think the, the, uh, some of the key areas of innovation for SSI today are actually um, uh, creating better governance mechanisms um, uh, that are not economically incentivized, but uh, they just compliant and uh, they're transparent and uh, ideally they're at least uh, somehow connected to, 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 to government framework. So for example, um, European Union uh, self-sovereign identity framework or things like that. Um, it, it, it's a good way for, for enterprises to start using these this, uh, this systems because it's not like blockchain, you have your data off chain. So it's not like your competitors can access all your customers data. So that's good. Um, but um, uh, th things what, what, what Trust over IP is doing and, and in general, the, the, the governance approach. So how do I uh, trust issuers or verifiers and in the same time do it in a way that is uh, recognizable by the government or by the legal system? Um, I, I think it's important for, for wider adoption. Um, the um, crypto economics part, uh, that one is necessary when you actually don't have um, um, enterprises uh, because um, it's it, it, so and, and the reason for that um, is that you can have a um, um, superior um, again economic efficiency through removing intermediaries so you need crypto economics basically to replace intermediaries that are enforcing trust in the system and uh, one example, or maybe I can build on the example of professional identity, um, you can have a uh, centralized university that uh, you, you pay $100,000, you get your degree and you get your diploma. It might be a verifiable credentials, uh, verifiable credential. Uh, but at the same time, you can actually go to YouTube, uh, watch the same uh, lectures like Stanford or Harvard. They, they have great, great YouTube channels. You can go and practice, uh, I don't know, do a coding project on, on GitHub or uh, just meet with someone. So, so uh, internet uh, allows access to education and it's virtually free uh, in a lot of cases, but you don't, have, but you don't get that degree, um, that, that official diploma. Uh, and, and we can think of a system that is actually decentralized that can award you with the uh, recognizable uh, educational credentials. So for example, if you are a software engineer, you taught yourself, um, you did a bunch of projects, then you go on this 
website or it's a smart contract, uh, you have someone who is a verifier who just checks your knowledge and um, they um, they run a like a pair programming session with you and award you with a degree of software engineer layer level three uh, in, in, I don't know, uh, TypeScript or something. And uh, in order to protect the system, because the system is prone to fraud, you can basically collude or um, bribe uh, that person, we can use cryptoeconomic mechanisms. So something like Augur is doing for prediction market, we can have a uh, stake, uh, staking mechanism. So we, as a verifier, uh, you have a stake of, uh, let's say $1,000, you um, assess different people who come to you. And then uh, this assessment is public. And if someone uh, can find that you assess someone incorrectly or they have a mm, they think that there was a collusion uh, uh, they can open up a dispute and if this dispute passes you are getting slashed uh, for some portion of your deposit obviously this is just a very very bare idea um, it, it has to be tested it has to be uh, evaluated in, in real world because yeah crypto economics is hard um, um, algorithmic um, uh, economical mechanism are it's 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 more of experimentation and iteration than just uh, uh, creating great initial idea. But 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 this shows that you can actually have some type of credential that is received uh, through decentralized mechanism. Uh, therefore, you don't have that intermediary who awards that credential. And uh, and the end is just cheaper. So you can get the same degree uh, or the same um, uh, credential uh, as computer science bachelor uh, diploma, but instead of spending uh, $100,000, you spend maybe $100 for that assessment. I, um, I, for a lot of, I guess like the, the new, if you talk about working talent as, as an example, like. I totally agree with you. It's just if, if you have uh, the motivation and the, the curiosity to, to learn, if you have access to a computer or to the internet, you, you could pick up anything, right? Um, and so it, it definitely potentially lowers the, the value of, uh, <laughs> could lower the value of a university degree because you could look at this like, well, why am I, I spending uh, tens of thousands uh, of dollars every year to, to get this degree and when, when I do get the degree it, it, it proves that you could read you could write you could do certain things but it, it doesn't really prove your skills uh, at, at that point right where with, with, with the internet and access to so many different tools you could even you could think of an even better like micro uh, micro transaction driven skills model where you could get credentials for, for smaller things that actually showcases your skill set and suitability for a job, for example, better than if, if you're just coming at it with a degree where it's just, okay, it's cool that you have a degree, but are you actually able to, to, to add value to, to what I'm trying to do? Um, yeah, exactly. But, so I guess like the, the crypto economics, it, it, it fits more inside of, if, if I'm understanding kind of where you're going at here, back to one of your comments earlier, there's there's two two approaches. One is kind of the, the existing institutions or organizations could innovate and continue to drive down uh, costs and solve economic inefficiencies and stuff like that. Um, 
but in in your second model, this future kind of facing new paradigm model, this is where something like crypto economics is interesting because you could think of um, a proper incentive mechanism being put in place will inherently increase the value of a credential that will come out of, of an ecosystem. Um, yeah, I, I may, may, maybe to put it in, in, in a different uh, format, we can think of different business models. So you can get the same uh, end uh, results or the same service by different business models. So first, um, it is pipeline business model when you have uh, just a um, supplier that fits to, uh, to producer and uh, you have um, this chain of or production chain and at each step you have some portion of transaction costs that are uh, covering the trust problem and um, just connecting those different companies and in that business model uh, so that, that something like manufacturing is, is, is usually a pipeline business model and uh, you solve this through uh, just economies of scale so you build a larger factory and uh, you, you have a vertical integration and, and it works. Then, um, uh, especially online, what's happening more and more, uh, we see platform business models. And that's where that's when platform is not actually producing the, 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 the product or the service. It's just acting as facilitator. It connects producers with uh, sellers, with buyers, and the value creation is happening outside the platform. And then uh, if we continue this trend, uh, and yeah, and, and the platform business model, it's, it's, it's more efficient because um, you have direct relationship between buyer and the seller and platform just takes a small cut on each transaction uh, because they provide some kind of guarantee that those sellers are actually, I don't know, Uber drivers that they, that they can drive or um, uh, they have license and so on. Uh, and then we can, if we continue this model, uh, the next step would be uh, decentralized business model. And in that business model, it's the same. It's, it's also peer-to-peer -peer connection, but the platform is not existent anymore. So instead of platform, we have decentralized service. And what it does economically is that that fee that Uber or App Store uh, was taking is just reduced to the uh, really marginal cost of providing uh, of basically running that smart contract. If it's a smart contract that connects drivers with, so so let's imagine decentralized Uber, and might, it might not make sense for Uber or for like for, so for example, you wouldn't build a decentralized steel mill. It, it, it wouldn't work or it wouldn't be more efficient than the traditional one. For Uber, it might not be the best example because of a lot of regulation. And it's also, it's, it's still like real world business but it makes sense for anything that is done purely online. Uh, but maybe for, for an Uber, an example would be that uh, drivers have their own DADs and they have verifiable credentials that prove that they have a car, it's um, technical um, uh, status, that it's operational, working fine, their driving license, their criminal history, KYC and so on. Uh, and then you have uh, just uh, some kind of, uh, it could be a smart contract, it could be on-chain, it could be a purely SSI system, which is working off-chain. Um, and, and then you have multiple user interfaces, just apps that allow you as a passenger to, to, to find the driver. And um, in that system, the marginal cost of each ride, uh, instead of Uber fixed fee of, I don't know how many, like 30% or uh, how, how much they charge, it can be reduced to let's say half of that because you only need to 
basically fund the uh, uh, the gas for that smart contract. Uh, if we put it simply, if, it, if it's an open source uh, thing, and maybe a UI, just an app that provides a user user interface that might take a small cut, but it's definitely much lower than Uber because it's much more competitive market because the protocol, the underlying data is public and anyone can build a, an app that uses the same underlying data. So that's, um, I think, um, um, just an, another way to, to, to look at uh, these cryptoeconomic mechanisms in terms of how do they enable uh, either better service or the same kind of service, but at lower price uh, through this change of the business model, through this intermediation, basically. Super interesting. I am um, I'm quite a fan of the, um, uh, well, just, just, just being able to properly understand the pipe pipe versus platform uh, business models and the differentiations in that uh, when, when you're, you're starting a business or even looking at, at your own business. And I um, uh, I love some of the writing that uh, Sam Smith has done on kind of the, the platform business models as well. And it's, it's all about reducing transaction costs, but then just, just yeah. how um, that, that leads into more of a network of network effect and you're reducing trust costs and you're able to, to leverage each other's networks and stuff like that. So um, although that, 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 again, I think for both of us is the, what's super exciting and what, what we're trying to build the foundation to strive to, to, towards that, we, we are seeing some interesting activity happening in, I think it's clear to say there's a lot of momentum in the SSI space. There's a lot of activity happening. There's more money going into it. Just this week, um, there was an announcement from Microsoft, I think, uh, that, that they're basically they're going to be leveraging ID proofing companies technologies to then issue uh, a verifiable credential inside of their authenticator app. If, if, if I think that's correct, right. And then, then you, you could use that. And there are clearly efficiencies in that too. Um, where, like, how do you look at the space? Like that's an example of what's happening right now. Like uh, what's your view on the space right now? What's, what's exciting. Like, I know there's tons of projects that you're familiar with. Um, whether it's the US Department of Homeland Security or stuff that's happened through MIT or the Canadian government is doing interesting stuff. Um, what's your view on, on kind of that space right now? Um, and then I'll add a, a second question uh, on top of that is, um, who, who absorbs the cost for these ecosystem solutions as well is, is kind of, kind of a, a big theme. We could go, go one at a time here too, but this is another kind of um, thought of if you are developing these ecosystem solutions, if it's government or private sector or stuff like that, um, who, who's benefiting from, from this? Who absorbs the costs? Uh, would love to, to hear your thinking around that. Um, yeah, so I do agree that the momentum is, 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 is picking up. Um, I was following or uh, was involved in SSI um, industrial market for about three years at this point. And I think the growth that is happening in the last really three months or six months is 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 uh, is accelerating. So um, uh, pandemic is definitely was definitely a catalyst for for for, for some of those changes. 
Um, and um, actually one of the projects uh, or one of the products that uh, we are, uh, we developed, um, it's, it's called Safe Travel. And it's, um, it's something that a lot of companies are doing, but I think we have uh, quite, quite, quite good momentum in that uh, it allows people to travel internationally with digital credentials. And uh, the main uh, customers for those are actually uh, immigration authorities and airline companies because they are the one who, first of all, they demand people to uh, have their vaccination records and uh, uh, pre-departure tests. And they are the one who are losing money or uh, kind of creating the public health problems if people are coming with the fraudulent documents. And also it's it's an operational problem because uh, for, for airline company, it, it might take a few minutes uh, to verify a paper-based document. So especially if it's in a foreign language or from from, uh, from some laboratory that you don't even sure that, uh, that you're not even sure that it exists. Uh, so verifiable credential is, is, is the credentials um, are so solving uh, here a lot. And uh, I think more and more countries um, over the course of this and next year will be demanding digital uh, healthcare documents uh, for international travel. And if you look to at, at stats, uh, for example, in 2019, there was 1.5 billion people traveling internationally. And a lot of them were doing this multiple times a year. Uh, that means that most of those people in, in a couple of years will be uh, users and customers of verifiable credentials product or SSI products. And that is a huge adoption. So that's much, much uh, faster. That can happen much faster than some of the blockchain technologies because cryptocurrency it's it, it, it's it's probably more popular today, but uh, it won't be growing as fast because uh, you like if if you are fine with banks and um, yeah if your bank and your Visa card and uh, your mobile uh, fintech app works fine for you 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 don't really need Bitcoin if you're not an investor if you, if you don't you don't want to risk too much. Um, for SSI, it's like it, it, it can actually really fast grow to every aspect of the life. So every time you open a bank account, you'll be uh, giving a KYC document in the form of profile credential. Every time you apply to, to, for a job, you will have a, some kind of resume or um, previous um, uh, working history or your education in the form of profile credentials. Uh, you can have pretty much any kind of government documents from, yeah, as I mentioned, from parking tickets to business licenses to uh, customs documents, um, healthcare. Um, so a lot of applications, like we, we can spend a uh, full hour discussing those. Um, so, so yeah, so the potential is there and, and um, uh, it's, 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 uh, uh, I think, I think um, things like, uh, the desire and the need to open up international tra travel, but in the same time in doing that safely um, is uh, just one of the catalysts and I think quite, quite important catalysts to, to, to spark this growth. So it was organically happening. Uh, and I remember the last um, uh, IAW, uh, Internet Identity Workshop, People were talking about uh, use cases, like we need more use cases. We, like everybody talks about technology and, and technology is not as hard. It's, it's harder, much harder to, to get the business model right and to, to get adoption. And I think um, we now see much better 
solutions to that problem. And uh, but uh, but it's still um, it's still obviously early early stages. And um, to address your second point about the costs, I think um, well, in my opinion, it depends. Uh, but uh, usually, uh, it's the verifier who who who's benefiting uh, the most. So uh, they are the one who 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 who's paying for um, uh, for the system, but not always. So you can think of the SSI system as, as a closed one, where you you have a platform or an application, you have issuers, folders, verifiers, and um, uh, in in that case. Uh, usually it's verifier who's paying, but not always. But but I think it's 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 like they are getting the most value out of the system in, in most cases because it's optimization and uh, increasing uh, transparency for for their business process. But uh, the second option is to have a network approach where it's not um, necessarily uh, one of those three who 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 who's paying. For the system, but it's uh, rather a network and a uh, network of networks of different verifiable credentials. And that is, um, uh, we, we have a few discussions on, on we were having a few discussions on this topic at uh, DIF. Uh, so we started this um, group called BC Marketplace. And the idea is how can we design a system um, that allow different issuers and verifiers who are not familiar with each other to participate in the same network. For example, to um, build on the same uh, example of, of what Microsoft is doing. Um, let's say I'm a bank in, 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 in Canada and I want to verify um, uh, just identity of, of a new customer, but I don't know, I don't want to build this system for people to Acquire those KYC credentials. Actually, I can accept anything that is um, that fits certain criteria, and that means that this bank can actually uh, can publish a record in that marketplace saying that we are paying um, one dollar to any KYC provider who who who, who, who creates a uh, um, KYC VC, and then as a customer, I just go to the marketplace and. I choose the one that I like the most out of the list and uh, they can be part of the same network. So they can be all partners uh, of Microsoft or they can be uh, completely independent companies that just uh, have some kind of decisions capabilities not necessarily connected because of the nature, because of the openness and interoperability of the protocol, this would work. So there's no need for for direct um, direct interactions, and then those marketplaces they can also be decentralized. They can also have a reputation system within them. So uh, you can have uh, one hundred different KYC providers, but as a bank, you can say that I'm only trusting the top fifty because um, because there, there's been a lot of issuance and verification, and there's no problem with 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 that data and. Uh, as a result of that, we, we probably will actually see the cost of uh, KYC credential going down because today we have uh, companies like Confido who are huge and they can uh, almost like monopolists, they can set up um, prices for uh, issuance 
even though they, it costs them nothing. So first time they do KYC, they need to verify. But the second time, uh, it's actually almost free for them. Uh, and they still charge. But uh, as the competition increases and it becomes more efficient market, that would actually drive the, the cost of issuance down. Um, so, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's one example. Yeah, um, that's where in, in your verifiable credential marketplace uh, idea, it comes back to governance. And you mentioned governance earlier being kind of one, one of the areas that requires uh, maybe a little more innovation to, uh, to, and a little more thinking and investment to allow the, these types of, of things uh, to happen. And um, I, I do agree with you on kind of the, uh, the, the KYC or ID proofing. Um, it's just logical that kind of there, this thing becomes more and more commoditized and the price just keep, keeps, keeps going down for this thing. Although it would be nice to be in that space today and raise uh, $300 million uh, on, on, on a crazy valuation. But it'll be interesting to see how they kind of adapt uh, as things, things are changing here. Uh, and well, from, from my perspective, a lot of the use cases are just compliance driven uh, today. And when you talk about your the COVID credentials or the basic ID credentials, you mentioned KYC, it, 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 it's all compliance driven. The interesting thing then afterwards, it's like once you've been able to solve a compliance problem, now how, how do I extend that? And how do, how do I start tying this original identity credential to further transactions and create traceability in, in the value chain? And I, I think that that's an area that there was a lot of innovation or a lot of uh, trials and errors that was happening with blockchain, but that's where I think like the, the property of traceability uh, is one that's just like, for me, SSI, just uh, that, that's, that's the solution to that property. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I think the reason it is starting with compliance because we need to change the perception of what is verifiable credentials. Today, it's, 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 uh, for most people, it's like blockchain. It's some kind of technology which no one understands how it works but uh, uh, but you need to invest in this so for, from like uh, average uh, corporates uh, uh, not not IT corporation standpoint it's something that we need to do but but we don't understand like as a bank uh, it, it probably will somehow uh, solve our business problems but we're not sure uh, really what we want to achieve is to um, and, and the problem is the, the verifiable credentials are addressing the notion of trust and trust is such a basic concept that it's, um, and it existed for millennia. Uh, so when the first, I don't know, uh, uh, I don't know, document that was signed by the king or some, uh, some official document that was the, um, uh, the first uh, trust transmission systems. So you had those people on horses who were uh, distributing uh, different orders uh, from, from, from monarchs. Um, and uh, it's hard to change. So today, most people believe that you can trust information either if it has a, it's a nice looking paper, it has a stamp and a wet signature, or if it's coming from, I don't know, official email address. And the notion of cryptographic signature is, is a little bit complicated. So if we start with compliance use cases, uh, and if this is accepted by someone big like government or um, immigration authorities or banks, that uh, would change this perception. And uh, I, I think what we want to achieve as an industry is uh, this um, 
equality between just a legally valid document and verifiable credential. Uh, it, it's maybe not 100% correct, but that's a good starting point. Um, and um, after that, um, the main property, the main positive property that uh, verifiable credentials uh, have, and also um, other decentralized technologies like DeFi or NFT or blockchains have, is that you can stack those uh, one on top of another. So if someone develops an, an, a DeFi protocol like Uniswap, because it's open source, someone else can go and develop a um, like a yarn finance, uh, which uh, kind of helps you to be more efficient in, in providing liquidity. And then someone can build something on top of that, which uh, uh, I don't know, makes it easier to work with a specific, um, um, with a specific uh, asset. So for verifiable credentials, the same because it's uh, intrinsically interoperable. Once you have those KYC documents, then you can have a scoring of different KYC providers and you can have uh, different um, zero knowledge or partial disclosure system that allows you to, uh, I don't know, uh, buy alcohol without revealing your name. So, um, so the stacking property of decentralized technology is what ultimately long-term will uh, be differentiator from uh, centralized KYC or uh, just trusted data records system. As Stefan, I, I think we could uh, uh, we could go all day on on a, a subject like that too, and it, it would be something uh, interesting to discuss in in, in some forum. Um, I, I want to thank you for uh, for doing this today. I think it was um, quite a deep and uh, very interesting conversation, and I, I really appreciate you sharing kind of your thinking and your your opinion on on the space and, and on all of this stuff. Um, my, my last question is when when is this clubhouse session happening let's do let's do something yeah um uh, yeah great uh great question actually uh i think um i think uh, we need to have a uh, some kind of active uh discussions uh, happening outside of uh conferences so there's a iaw coming up uh, so that that would be a great uh, community event but uh um i'm yeah I'm, I'm i'm really interested in 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 organizing or at least attending uh clubhouse uh event on on, on ssi and, and actually uh, moving forward um it can actually uh, be even split between because ssi is, is actually quite big area um uh, there's more nuanced uh um areas that uh, can can deserve uh, discussion and uh, sharing of expertise yeah I look forward to making that happening we'll, we'll try to move that forward uh, thanks once again for doing this this was uh, phenomenal thank you thanks a lot thank you for listening hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as i did to stay up to speed with future episode releases, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever channel you're listening to it right now. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to me directly. You can find me online. I'm quite active on LinkedIn and Twitter, so I look forward to hearing from you. See you all next time.